0: We got all the way through in Luke's gospel through verse 38. Then Mary said, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. In other words, we finished, we completed the annunciation of the angel Gabriel unto Mary regarding the birth of Jesus, the coming birth of Jesus. This is all Lukean material. This is there is no, no direct parallel in any of the other gospels or any of the other written sources that we have uh, from this period of time. Uh, uh, some much later writings uh, do parallel some of this, but they seem to be dependent upon Luke where they parallel it. Um, Luke is uh, unique in this, and that is also true for the stories of John the Baptist. Uh, and Zechariah and Elizabeth. Having completed the Annunciation unto Mary, it is only appropriate to step over into Matthew and take a look at the Annunciation unto Joseph, which is contained in there. So we're going to skip over the genealogy in Matthew for now. We'll come back to that when we hit the genealogy in Luke. And there's only one reason why I'm allowing Luke's uh, sequence here to dominate, and that's because Luke's sequence chronologically starts earlier. When we get around to the triple tradition between Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Mark will predominate because it was a primary document for Matthew and Luke. But for now, we're going to allow Luke's uh, order and sequence to predominate and dictate when we bounce over to the parallel tradition from Matthew um, Now firstly this really isn't a parallel What's happening An angel coming and Announcing unto one of the two That Jesus is going to be born Is in a sense A parallel but everything else Is different Alright So let's just read it And see what it says That's Matthew chapter 1 And we're going to begin at verse 18, which is the beginning of the Annunciation. Now, the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God is with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. Now, we're going to go back through it, of course, but initial observations.
1: Joseph, Joseph. is the man.
2: Joseph would be mentioned like four times, and if I went back and checked my Mary, and she'd be mentioned about four times in the same, about the same time spirit
0: span. Yeah, hmm. Joseph is the principal character.
2: Yeah. Mary,
0: Mary is the principal character, the active character. The responsive character, the responsible character in the Luke narrative of the Annunciation. The angel comes to her. What else do you notice about this account?
2: Emmanuel.
0: Okay, Emmanuel. Um, actually, that is not in the Annunciation by the angel, that's in the interpretation. That's in the interpretation of the account. Notice the quote has ended at the end of verse 21. And then it picks up, all this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall name him Emmanuel. That is part of the interpretive layer on the story, applied to the story by a later commentator. It could be Matthew or it could be prior to Matthew. I mean, it could be a, an interpretation that's placed here by Matthew. Having recounted the story, he could then, in, you know, say this. All this took place, the to fulfill would have been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Or it could be a pre-existing interpretation of the account, which Matthew is simply including here along with the story itself. I thought they, they knew what part of the Old Testament he was quoting, misquoting that. You would think... You would think... That's it's, it's Isaiah. Q, but it's Q. Q no, this is not Q. So that's not Q. No, this is not Q. This is unique to Matthew. This is not found in Luke. This is unique to Matthew. This 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 story. This is part of the Matthian oral tradition that's unique to the Matthew account. I don't
3: understand why you broke it up. Uh, in terms of separating verse up to 21 and then after 22 or 22 down is it maybe 22 through 25 was added by somebody other than Matthew
0: no 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 not not somebody other than Matthew it's it is not part of the Annunciation itself it's not part of the, the angels dialogue the angels dialogue ends at the verse of at the end of verse 21 And then what follows is an interpretation, an interpretive layer, and an application of Old Testament scripture, either by Matthew or by somebody that Matthew was quoting when he quotes the whole story. Now, I think it's Matthew who is applying this interpretation to this account. It sounds like Matthew elsewhere, Matthew does this repeatedly throughout his gospel so i think it's matthew it's not something that he inherited when he got the story it's his interpretive layer it would been nice if he had said by the prophet isaiah that would have been nice wouldn't it but that's where this comes from
1: well it didn't say that that mary had a dream and it says that Joseph angel appeared in the dream.
0: Okay. One interesting distinction between the Lucan account of the Annunciation unto Mary and now the Matthian account of the Annunciation unto Joseph is Joseph's occurs in a dream specifically. Uh-huh. It identifies it as a dream. Whereas the Lucan account doesn't say it's a dream. You can interpret it as such if you want. I know some people do. There are some scholars who say this was a dream, but it doesn't say it's a dream. It depicts the account as if it were just as much a waking event as us sitting here today, um, whereas the Matthian account places this angel coming to him in a dream into a dream state.
2: Did, did he add, or somebody, where it says, "Because he will save his people from their sins," which is still in, those, in the Annunciation,
0: the angels would say that. That is what. Okay. Um, They're calling Jesus. She will bear you a son, and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins is part of the dialogue of the angel. Okay. It's part of the dialogue of the angel. Why
2: does Jesus mean you're gonna he's gonna save you from your sins? We're we back to the
0: word again. Alright. Easy. Yeshua. <laughs> the Hebrew name for Jesus written in English letters. Yeshua. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeshua, from Yah. I'll write it from left to right. From Yahweh, Y says, Huah. Yahweh says is the is the uncontracted form of the name Yeshua, which also is sometimes translated. Joshua In the Old Testament The name in Hebrew is Yeshua It's the It's the shortening Of the phrase Yahweh saves The name means Yahweh The Lord Saves That's what the name means Hence He will be be named Yahweh saves Because that is what he does Literally he will bear us you a son, she will bear you <laughs> that sounded weird, she will bear you a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He will um, you are to name him Yahweh saves, for he will save his people from their sins.
2: They have the sins. Huh? It wasn't enough just to save them? They
0: had to add sins there? Save the people from? From, the from what? From the Romans? <laughs> from, from, dandruff, from, from, from dandruff? From dandruff? That I mean... From, from
3: what separated them?
0: From, from, from that which divided them off from God. Firstly, this... Unlike the Lucan account where lots of messianic expectation is written out in the passages, both, both within the story about Zechariah and, and, and then the Annunciation unto Mary. Here, even though this is far more Jew- Jewish material than the Lucan account, here you do not have what is classically a messianic expectation so much. The Messiah was to deliver the people from the occupation of the Roman forces and establish right worship and the kingdom of David. That was the Jewish understanding of what the Messiah was supposed to do. A kingly Messiah, a military Messiah, and a righteous Messiah. And the righteousness conception is kind of what's being identified here with the sins part, but they played that one down in favor of military and kingly. All right? And here it's being elevated again in this idea. What else from this passage just sort of strikes you, lifts out at you? Well, in Luke it says the child's going to be called the son of God. Luke identifies him as the son of God. In 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 Matthew in the interpretation portion following the annunciation by the angel, it says, "And they shall name him Emmanuel," which means God with us. So
1: if son of God is
0: putting God there. Emmanuel literally means God with us
1: you get that
3: sense of the, the same sense you get with the trinity that it's all—it's one yet it's separate.
0: it's one yet different and separate it's immediate that's the one thing that's critical here is that it's an immediate presence immanuel god is with us not now it could be interpreted as god is on our side and that's also true but but the emphasis here from the Hebrew is God is dwelling with us. Okay.
3: Kind of like John tempted himself.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's not a distance, not God is watching us or with us from a distance, but God is right here with us in our immediate presence. And how much more immediate presence can you get than a baby? Alright. Other observations?
2: Yeah, it looks like earlier in the other one I was just checking it. uh, And Luke, he mentions um, well, I guess the genealogy's here too, but he's really connecting David right here, Joseph's son of David. I mean, he didn't right off the bat. And the other one, he's 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 connected to David, but it's like uh, further down.
0: He's connected to David in both. Um, Here, the immediate identification here with. Is it's there? Joseph, son of David, that's that Still is there. Helpful.
1: Well, this one says nothing about um, John.
0: John the Baptist is not yet shown up in Matthew. That's that's later. He doesn't make his entrance until he comes in with the Mark material, which hasn't happened yet. So that's remember. Luke starts chronologically far before. Matthew or Mark do, and starts with John the Baptist, and starts with his mom and dad. Um,
1: And Joseph doesn't argue very much like Mary. He just, you know, accepts he does what the angel.
0: He doesn't say it. He doesn't say word one. (laughs) Right. He just okay. There's no nothing. He wakes up and does what he's told. When Joseph awoke from sleep, and notice, it's not that he was asleep and got, and got awakened by the angel. It occurs while he's asleep. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she, was born, she had born a son, and he named him Jesus. So, I mean, he, he yes, sir. He does what he's told to do
3: it's very
0: clear in both accounts that this is a, not a man-made child oh yeah Especially one of the similarities is this, is this is a miraculous event here what was Joseph getting ready well, first of all let's go back to the very beginning of the account now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way this almost sounds like the beginning of the story doesn't it it sounds like something that might have been told totally independent from the rest of the of the gospel now the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, i.e. before they were married, she was found to be with child. Now Stop it right there. Dun, 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 dun. That's bad news. What's the penalty for that, by the way? Yeah, death, stoning. Or certainly great public humiliation and putting her away big time and we don't have any
3: timetable that tells us when they got married in terms of how far after she conceived the Holy Spirit
0: according to this when Joseph receives the angel in the dream he married her well yeah when he wakes up he marries her when Joseph receives the angel in the dream Is Mary pregnant or not? She's already discovered that she's pregnant. It's the scandal. He's going to put her away. He's
1: He's going to.
0: He's he's not going to carry through with the marriage plan. They were engaged to be married. He's not going to carry it through because he doesn't want to hurt her.
3: But we don't know how he found out. Whether it was because it was told him.
0: If she told him you think. Now first of all. You have to separate the two stories. For just a minute here. Until before we integrate them. Separate them. Luke tells us that she knows. And she says let it be with me according to your word. And then she conceives. So she's given the choice. She says yes. She knows what the source is. And she conceives. It's after the conception. That Joseph finds out. But since it's not, it's not that he said, well, she conceived by the Holy Spirit. Now that is in the, narr- in the description here. She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. But that from the Holy Spirit is an after-the-fact observation and acknowledgement. Because what follows next proves that he doesn't know it at the time. And of course he doesn't know it because the angel hasn't told him yet. Her husband Joseph, that's interesting, It uses that term... Being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, plan to dismiss her quietly. He doesn't want to hurt her. He just simply wants to put her away quietly so that she won't be exposed for having had sex outside of their marriage covenant. Well, in
1: those days, when, when they were officially engaged, weren't they really considered husband and wife?
0: All of the rules that applied in terms of what you could and couldn't do were in place, even though it had not been consummated. And that's the, actually the key in that point, place, and time. It was consummation that was important. So that's why
1: they refer to him as husband. Mine says because Joseph, her husband,
0: was a righteous man. Right. Mine says the same thing, but it also says they weren't yet married, <laughs> they were engaged sure. to be married.
2: But it said he had in mind to divorce her quietly, so one would think he probably got married. Well,
0: yours There's says divorce. Mine says put away. Uh-huh. And the Greek says put away, okay. which okay. could be this divorce, way. but that also would be what you're doing if you're not going to go ahead and go through with the marriage covenant that had been planned. Um, I don't want to get hung up in Jewish marriage practices. What's important is... Joseph doesn't know yet and that's why the angel has to come to him in this dream Joseph doesn't know yet the source of this baby once he finds that out he immediately it says he immediately takes her as like his wife but he had no marital relations with her until she had born a son and he named him Jesus. So he takes her into his home, which had not yet happened.
2: So we.
1: Well, is it important that, or does it? I mean, significant? What, whatever. That Mary stayed with, um, stayed three months with the uh, um, Zechariah's wife.
0: That's in Luke. I know. We're not there yet,
1: <laughs> but we were talking about the Luke.
0: I know no. you got to realize and you have to remember none of that's in Matthew. Right. So it has no it should have no immediate bearing on what we just read from Matthew. Let me explain. I'm trying to keep us. I'm trying to keep us from harmonizing them at this point. If you want to harmonize them, we can. But I want to read them through parallel, which is not the same as harmony. That will be even more important to uh, next Thursday when we meet again and we get to the actual birth narratives between the two. We won't make it that far tonight. Not at this rate. (laughs) 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 All right. (laughs) All right. Um, Anything else from this discreet passage? Because now we're going to bounce back to Luke. But anything else from the Annunciation of the angel unto Joseph that was of interest to you. It's shorter, far more concise. There's no conversation going on. Uh -uh. It just simply happens. And then the narrator gives us an interpretation, a, a layer of interpretation on top of that. But it is a fairly concise account because you notice verse 25 says that they had no marital relations with, but but they, but had he had no marital relations with her until she had born a son and he named him Jesus and then it goes on into the next chapter and then Jesus is born. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, it that is it, it that is very fascinating. It's, it's a concise account. Now, were you implying that this, this may not be an allusion to Isaiah? Here, or? Oh, no, it is an Oh, you mean the citation yeah. where the narrator pulls for, from verse 22, pulls from Isaiah all this? Quote, this is the narrator's words. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And then he quotes the Septuagint, which is the Greek Old tra- translation of the Old Testament. The Septuagint rendering of this passage in Isaiah. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel. And that's the end of the citation. And then the narrator picks up again, which means, and he translates it, God with us. And then the narrator continues with the rest of the story of the Annunciation. Joseph wakes up, and he does what he's told to do. Anything else before we bounce back over to, to Luke? There's a difference between a parallel. This is not a parallel. It's not even close enough to be a parallel. It's a similar kind of story about the same kind of an annunciation, in the sense that the angel here is coming. In the Luke story, the angel is coming to get permission. <laughs> To do this. You know, to announce this is what's going to happen and then Mary says yes. In Matthew, the angel comes in a dream to say, don't put her away. This child is not the product of an illicit affair. This child is a miraculous event. This child is the product of the Holy Spirit. But that's all we know about it. That's all that Joseph knows about. Joseph didn't find out from Mary, because had he found out from Mary, and you assume the events from Luke, then you start harmonizing, but if you assume the events from Luke, that Mary knew what was going on when she conceived and had given her permission or whatever, then she should have said, Oh, but don't worry about it. The angel told me that it was that it was from the Holy Spirit. Maybe
3: she didn't get that
0: far. The instant he saw her, he said, That's it, marriage is over. Problem. How far along is she? Exactly. Month a yeah. month, month, month and a half, If you the, the danger of harmonizing Luke to Matthew. If this occurs fairly commensurate with the events in Luke that we've thus far read, then she ain't showing yet. Now it's possible that this occurs if you're going to do harmonizing, and let's mention this, if it occurs in in the sequence from Luke, it happens after what we're getting ready to read. She comes home from being with Elizabeth. Six months have passed, and she be showing. Well, not six months. Three months have passed, and she's starting to show.
1: Yeah, but with the style of clothes that they were wearing. Yeah, but mommy and daddy
0: are going to know. They're going to tell Joseph. And we would speed this up and you get in there and make it okay, and then we can have an early birth, you know? That could be. If you want to integrate the accounts, which is what most people want to do, you have to put this event later, not immediately after the, the conception. It has to come several months later for him to be able to know it.
1: Is there anything in Luke that said she became pregnant right away, right then and there? Yep. Because the 12-year-old probably wouldn't know.
0: Yep. Yeah. Because by the time she gets down almost within just a few weeks at most, down to see her, to see Elizabeth, to see her cousin, she she, her. she's already pregnant. So that's what we're going to read next. Okay, we're going to Luke. Back to Luke chapter 1. Remember... This is right after in the text. Verse 38. Then Mary said here am I the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. End of annunciation unto Mary. In those days. You remember that phrase from earlier. A very short. Now it actually it's a little bit different From from the earlier passage when we were looking at in those days in verse 24 after those days You said
3: it wasn't precise enough
0: to be it's wrong. not precise meta after those days is meta de tautus here okay. in verse 39 hmm. it's in teis emeres which is a little more precise Meta after in in that helps in Greek. It's the same exactly. word. I don't make it worse. Meta after or uh, nebulously, but not a, not a month later, but within that period of time. In those days is a more precise articulation in in Greek, and it means literally next week, kind of idea. I mean, we're talking. She didn't. She didn't dilly dally around. And that's important because, do you have any idea how far it is from Nazareth to Im Karen to to Jerusalem and to where Zechariah lived? Nazareth is in the north, north and west of the Sea of Galilee. Yeah, you, know, you get to see my map. My mapping of Israel. Here, let's do it in blue. Here's Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee is right here. Alright? That's the Sea of Galilee. This is the Jordan River. Alright? Here's Nazareth. Okay? Here's Capernaum. Tiberius is here. Jericho is here. Jerusalem is here. All right? Now, today, you get in a car and you you drive down to Tiberias and then along the shore of the Sea of Galilee and then down, 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 down the Jordan River Valley just past Jericho and then up the Judean hills up into the mountains to Jerusalem. So you made your journey like that. It's about a three hour drive. Roughly Roughly the distance roughly the distance from Oklahoma City to Dallas. That's a car. She would have been on donkey or foot. And she probably wouldn't have gone that route. She would have gone the valley route within the mountains and wound its way along the mountain ridge from north to south. You're looking at a my app?
2: Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're looking at the river and thinking, boy, it must be really shallow because you could have just topped the
0: raft and gone down the river. At times, the river was not shallow. <laughs> and it, not at flood stage. Not at flood stage. <laughs> it was not shallow. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway. That's a long, that's long, that's a long she way. This, she went from where was she was to Jerusalem? She place? went from Nazareth to Emmaus. <clears throat> oh. The The countryside, first of all, oh. This is Galilee. This is Judea. Judea is in the south. It's part of the old southern kingdom. Of Judah and Benjamin. The north is the northern kingdom of Israel. Galilee is the term for it by Jesus' day. And is the territories that were owned and occupied by the ten tribes in the north. And... Just outside of Jerusalem is the interim. It's about a 20 minute drive. It's actually in the greater metropolitan uh, Jerusalem area today. You just go around the mountainside and there it is.
2: So it's not that far from Jericho to and Mount of
0: Olives to Jerusalem then,
2: right?
0: Mount of Olives is right there, yeah. overlooking Jerusalem. Jericho is down the Jordan River valley, along the, along the Jordan River.
3: She did enter the hill country with haste.
0: Oh, yeah. It says, in those, day, in, in those days, an immediate period of time, she didn't dilly dally around. After the annunciation by the angel Gabriel, another point. What was the name of the angel who came and spoke to Joseph? No, we didn't get that. It didn't say. That's right. Didn't say. Right. A lot of people assume it's Gabriel. All right. So she doesn't dilly dally around, she immediately leaves. In those days Mary set out and went with haste quickly not slowly she went as she went quickly you're you're talking about a week's journey though probably roughly depending on the time of the year and based on that time of the year uh yeah it's going to be at least a week's journey to get from all the way in the north Nazareth To all the way in the south, just outside of Jerusalem, in Cairn, in the Judean hill country. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to Judea, to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Remember last time we got to hear the beginning of this famous, the, 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 the Hail Mary. Gabriel says, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Elizabeth finishes it. By saying blessed are you among women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me. That the mother of my Lord comes to me. For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting. The child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be. A fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. This is Elizabeth's recognition. She's six months pregnant. How do we know that? It's because the angel came and did the annunciation unto Mary in the sixth month, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel, Gabriel, was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth. So it's in the sixth month. So she's six months pregnant. In a week. In Italy, roughly, yeah. <laughs> six months in a week. There and there, there in that, that degree, yeah. Somewhere in there. Not much more than that. Hmm. And this is her proclamation. Blessed are you among women... And blessed is the fruit of your womb.
2: So how uh, pregnant again is this lady? Who, Elizabeth? Yeah. Six months. Six months.
0: She's six months. Six months. How,
2: and how pregnant is Mary? About a week. Bareless. Yeah. Because she made it in a week.
0: However long it took her to get from Nazareth, it, however, however long she waited before leaving, you know, maybe a day. And then, you know, because you've got to make provisions for the trip. You just don't, you don't have a car to jump into and make it quickly. You've got to make provision for the trip. But, you know, so let's give her a day to get ready to go and then a week to make the trip. Five to ten days to make the trip. So that's about it.
2: So this is really a miracle because she wasn't showing it
0: all to Elizabeth. Of course it's a miracle. It's entirely a miracle. There's nothing for Elizabeth to see.
3: Well, and and Elizabeth
0: wasn't the one who responded. It was the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry. She is is doing what the prophets did and speaking for God. God is either telling her this or speaking this through her.
1: She's
0: like a vessel or or a radio or a a communicator. (laughs) Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me? She's not disconnected from this. She's amazed that this is true. That the mother of my Lord comes to me. There was nothing about Mary that would have been obvious that this, that she was pregnant. But Elizabeth knows it anyway. And it's not as if Mary's mom and dad, it's not as if Anna and Joaquin could have picked up the telephone and and called Elizabeth and said, okay, we're sending Mary your way. She's pregnant. Quite frankly, the quickest way to get word from Nazareth to Ian Caram is the way Mary went. Whatever word had come ahead of her went with her. If you know somebody had sent a letter. So we got this 12-year-old kid set off on foot.
2: Yeah.
0: Probably with – probably probably not alone. Probably made the trip with somebody, a family member, a friend, an adult of some kind. I doubt she made the trip alone.
3: Although she would have made it safe.
0: Well, yes, <laughs> but don't well, – It's, don't, not, <laughs> logical. it's, not, it's not logical that she
3: would have gone alone. It's
0: not logical oh, yeah. that she would have gone alone, yeah. She would have made the trip, probably with others. It's not
2: logical that she was surprised. surprised Elizabeth either, is it?
0: No, of course not, but that's so they, different. So Elizabeth knew she was coming. Elizabeth didn't know she was coming. Why not? How would she know? Well, thought God, okay, granted, God could have told her Elizabeth, that Mary well, was coming. It? She had not sound real surprised. But there is no Elizabeth indication that, that God says to Elizabeth, okay, Mary's coming. That's not in the story. Mm-hmm. And when you read it, it simply says... Where, where she entered the house of Zechariah. And greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting. It's the hearing of the greeting. That does it. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting. The child leaped in her womb. You know. John does a somersault. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And exclaimed with a loud cry. Blessed are you among women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. So. The child knows it too, and then Elizabeth is given knowledge to know it and profess it. This is one of those. This is this is this is, this is in many respects, an annunciation. I suppose. Just like the angelic annunciation, this is another annunciation. You suppose what?
3: Well, it's you know when when that proclamation from Elizabeth was no and it's possible there were other people who could have heard it they could have dispatched somebody to Joseph and he could have heard even before Mary had yeah the word to could him. have come
0: back in another way because but now it's public could, could be although this happens in her house
3: well, she, probably has people there. she
0: probably had servants
3: and Mary came King, Mary
0: interesting, interesting speculation we don't mm-hmm. know that's always what that's one of the things that these accounts elicit from us is interesting speculation as to what what this might have, how this might have happened. But what it actually says is she, she immediately heads south from Galilee and Nazareth down to the Judean countryside just outside of Jerusalem to where Zechariah and Elizabeth live. She enters the house when she greets Elizabeth, the baby Leaps and Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit and makes this 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 wonderful acclamation, this beautiful uh, uh, proclamation: "Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb." Now, this this is fascinating. The Holy Spirit enters Elizabeth and she speaks for God. I thought God didn't speak through. Women. mean if you believe uh, those who would say that women should keep silent in the church. And, and don't have any business preaching and that kind of stuff. What about this? What about Mary Magdalene being the only consistent witness in all four gospels to the resurrection of Jesus? What about temper? Yeah.
2: And telling the disciples that uh, you need to look at this.
0: Yeah. I mean this is another example of where... Women are used by God. God does not deign to work through women. In any way. From the, 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 the conception of John the Baptist. To the conception of Jesus. To speaking the truth. To, to being willing to use Elizabeth herself. As a prophet. To fill her and speak through her. This violates all sorts of restrictive attitudes about the role of women. Yeah. It, al- it also violates. Yeah. It also violates the expectations of the community in which this would have been written. A Jewish. Oh, this is this is this is not sorry. This is not Matthew. A. It's a Gentile community, and women. You know, were not. <coughs> Not really well respected even in Gentile communities certainly not in Jewish communities so I just find that fascinating anything else that you've seen thus far that you that interests you in this initial acclamation by Elizabeth speaking through the power of the Holy Spirit it how understanding it 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 is not it does not submit well to a rational analysis. It's simply a statement that God quickened Elizabeth to know that Mary was pregnant. And the Holy Spirit fills her. John leaps and she speaks the acclamation. Something so this is that I noticed
1: in both accounts, that the women were given a choice to participate. The men weren't.
0: Yeah, well, I'm sure that if, I'm sure that Zechariah wanted to get his voice back, therefore he was willing to go in unto his wife. But,
1: (laughs) you know, he questioned it, so God got him. Yeah. But he gave both of the women the opportunity to say, oh, no, thanks. I'll have Yeah, she could
0: have said, no, I have a headache. Uh, (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. When Zechariah comes home. And Mary says, let it be with me according to your word. Joseph isn't given an opportunity to say anything. He's asleep.
1: Yeah.
0: This is simply what it's going to be, and you need to do this. He could have said no. He could have disobeyed and put her away anyway, but he didn't. Right. That would have been the the degree of his. But
1: he was basically commanded. Well, yeah, he was ordered, and
0: he's not stupid. He's going to follow. He's a good, righteous Jew. He's going to follow orders from an angel. Well,
1: maybe he saw. all yeah.
0: of her uh, cousin. Elizabeth Zacharan. Yeah.
1: Stroke.
3: <laughs> struck <dumb laughs> he heard. not saying. Uh, uh, that was, that was a long
0: way away. and
3: <laughs> 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 What was the word that was used to be translated? The mother of my lord,
0: lord. The mother of my lord? Yeah, when
3: she refers to Mary as the mother of my oh,
0: lord. Oh, um, what word is being used here? Okay. Kuryu. Hey, mater to Kuryu, mu pros eme. Uh, the mother of my lord comes to me. Kurios is the Greek word here. Standard word for Lord in Greek in all uh renditions. Do you know she
1: spoke it out with really a loud voice.
0: She cried it out loud. Mm-hmm. A loud cry. She didn't whisper this. She didn't whisper this, she shouted it out. One of the things that yeah. I mean this isn't unique, my observation, but There's a lot of effort being put here to establish the relationship between Jesus and John. Yeah. In Luke, absolutely. They are not... Jesus and John in Luke are not contrary characters who are vying for the same pool of disciples as some people would seem to think they are. In Luke, there is a distinct attempt to try to show... That John was born to proclaim the coming of Jesus. It, just didn't, it didn't just start when he's out there in the wilderness baptizing. His mother started it. His mommy started it, yeah. And he left when he wasn't even outside of his mom. He was already pointing away. Here's the man. And his mother Elizabeth
3: did the same way. She pointed the way.
0: She pointed the way too.
3: So the
0: shadow but you're right. There early In the early church, there seems to have been something, and we get echoes of it from, interestingly enough, the Acts of the Apostles, where there seems to be a community of John the Baptist disciples who you know, did not go with Jesus initially but still hung around, were upset about his execution. Didn't really become Jesus' people, but not, not were, an, were really antithetical to the Jesus community. They just weren't part of it. Who then get adopted in later? Hence, they knew the, the baptism of John the Baptist, but not the baptism of Jesus. In the Acts of the Apostles, and have to be baptized in the name of Jesus. So, so that's that. That's a, that. There is an undertone in the history of the New Testament Church that seems to say that there had been some disagreements and conflicts between some of the disciples of John the Baptist and and Jesus. And that conflict is being absolutely downplayed here in Luke. Interestingly enough, we get those echoes out of the Acts, which Luke also wrote, which is a fascinating observation. But what this is indicating is, is that You shouldn't be, you could say, you shouldn't be arguing and fighting over the supremacy here. Even John the Baptist and his mommy recognized Jesus, and Jesus his mommy.
2: Not to harmonize, but if you read Luke Luke and not Matthew and Mark. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's still interesting that the others don't mention
0: it. Yeah. This is exclusive to Luke. Now, after this, we now have what's known as the Canticle of Mary in most Christian history. The Canticle of Mary is a beautiful song. That's what it is. It's a song. It is a beautiful Hebraic song which uses as its framework the Song of Hannah. Found in 1 Samuel chapter two, verses one through ten. That's the framework. But into that framework has been inserted lots of other references. This comes from Joseph A. Fitzmyer's *The Gospel According to Luke* in the Anchor Bible Series, and it's a fascinating and excellent commentary. On the gospel of Luke. So it's really very good stuff. And one of the things that he does. Is he goes through the canticle of Mary. And identifies. The sources. For the canticle. And you'll notice. They come heavily from. First Samuel chapter 2. Verses 1 through 10. The. Uh, the, the song of, of Hannah. And. A lot of it from the Psalms and Job and Isaiah and Micah and Deuteronomy. Isn't that interesting? And it's citations from the Greek translation of the Old Testament. So what we have here is the Song of Mary. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. This song is drawing sources from all over the Old Testament, from the Greek translation of it. And Fitzmaier has, has identified those sources here. My soul declares the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit finds delight in God my Savior. The first line comes from 1 Samuel chapter 2, the very beginning of it, and then... The second line comes in part from the Psalter, from Psalm 25, verse 5. If you want to go through, you can kind of match these up and see how the, how Luke, but probably not Luke, the author of this pulls and integrates these. Now, in the literature, and Fitzmaier spent several pages on the subject, analyzing the construction of this song. His conclusion is is that Luke didn't write this. Luke gets this. This is a song that Luke has received. It pre-exists Luke's narrative. And the reason why is he says the the structure, the the writing style, the utilization of scripture does not follow Luke's normal pattern. So he didn't write this. He didn't he didn't craft this, compose it he has received it and he is using it here and putting it in Mary's mouth to, to, to lift her up to, to highlight her and who she is and what she is doing and what is going to happen because of her willingness to give birth to Jesus to carry and give birth to the Son of God And you can kind of follow the construction through and look at the sources that were pulled to put it together. It's an interesting little, interesting collection of scriptures that are used.
3: Because if it says in 46, and Mary said, and then it follows what she said. Mm -hmm. You know, Luke wasn't there to hear that.
0: Luke wasn't present to hear the song.
3: Right.
0: Right, exactly. But didn't you say Luke likely was around Mary? Well, one of the sources for Luke's Luke material, the luke material that is unique to Luke and Luke alone, is usually, by some scholars at least, speculated to be Mary. Um, And there's no reason to say that is impossible, because it certainly is possible. So... If, and, and since so much of this Lucan material focuses in on her experience, her, what she did, what happens to her and to her family, from her perspective, that makes sense. And so you know, you could say, well, maybe he got this directly from her, which would make her this author. <laughs> it could be – and this is one interesting piece of speculation, which I really like. It could be that Mary adopted the Song of Hannah as her own. She took the Song of Hannah right out of 1 Samuel and adopted it for her, for her own experience, how she was feeling, how she was experiencing the presence of God in her life, how she was wondering at what God was doing. And then, as that use was taken... And communicated by others, both by Mary thinking about it and by others around her, more interpretation could have been pulled in from elsewhere in Scripture. As we saw in Romans, Paul was not adverse to pulling from all over the place in the Old Testament to put together things like this, songs of praise. He did it several times in the letter to the Romans have it here too the same process known as paraphrastic application where they took passages from the Old Testament paraphrased adjusted and applied to their situation and circumstance and they didn't think twice about taking something from 1st Samuel and from the Psalms and from Deuteronomy and from Isaiah and from Micah and putting them together into a coherent whole and creating quite literally something new in the process so
1: would it be the same as saying that they pulled all this information from all these other sources
0: these and piece melted
1: together in order to apply it to what was going on then in order to say it has come to pass
0: yes um That's revisionist, doesn't it? It is to only a small extent. You have to remember, if you take a look at the story, does verses 46 through 55 in any way advance the narrative? No. The Song of Mary is a piece of worship literature from the life of the church. It doesn't advance the narrative. What it does do is flesh out the character of Mary it fleshes out her character her nature, her dreams, her wants her hopes, her fears the circumstances and situations of this Judean girl it fleshes them out drawing from all over the place to do it the song of Hannah from 1 Samuel would have done it too And the speculation, and Fitzmaier brings this out, and some other scholars also address it like Brown, say that what we're probably dealing with here is the Song of Hannah being used as the framework. Maybe she literally, and this would have been something that she could have easily done as a good Jewish girl, she would have learned the Song of Hannah in her worship at synagogue. She could have easily broken out into song at this point in the actual historical event. And then, as she said, I sang the Song of Hannah, other people drew concepts that were similar to within the Song of Hannah and kind of put them together in creating and fashioning a fleshed-out version that applied specifically to her and her circumstances. Did Jewish girls get that kind of education? Yeah, they did in worship. They had to be in a separate area of the synagogue, but they would go to worship and hear the hymns too.
2: And, and the hymns
0: were straight out of the Hebrew Bible. And it was a male rabbi that was teaching them usually. Of course. course, just checking. In. There were no women. <laughs> yeah. Just so checking. And wouldn't
1: that be part of your tradition? Is when you re, when you were in a situation, um, and part of the culture would be to rejoice, and, to, and wouldn't it be for normal for women to start singing some song of rejoicing, kind of like you're in your own personal
3: musical?
0: it it's not inconceivable that Mary would break into a hymn at this point in the events especially in response to what she's had Elizabeth, Elizabeth proclaim this and speak for God to her yeah. and it has to be a miraculous affirmation because there's no way that I mean I bet you anything Mary's going down to see her going okay how am I going to tell her that I'm not pregnant and <laughs> this whole event and then she comes in and she just says she doesn't have to because Elizabeth is already saying <laughs> Blessed are you among women So here she is She's going in She's heard this She breaks into song She's
3: already built the Holy Spirit,
0: that A, nat- right? yeah. A natural song for her Would be the song of Hannah here And then that serves as then The framework within which Interpreters and people Who've told the story Then pull as Paul did All of the rest of this and insert it to flesh it out and apply it more directly and so you get things like um, he has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors to Abraham and his descendants forever it's a a beautiful song Um, a song of glorious praise in and of itself and one interesting point is it quotes not the Hebrew Old Testament, but the Septuagint, the Greek Old Testament. Now, it could very easily be that Hannah sang it in Aramaic, <laughs> the, 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 the Song of Hannah. And then knowing it was the Song of Hannah, they turned to it in the Septuagint and draw it from there and then start their process but it was it was drafted in greek quoting from the septuagint and it seems to predate luke because its structure is different than luke use, usually does when he quotes and the, there's another example of it in the song of zechariah that we're going to get to that does something very similar what was the song? In the early church? A, probably a song that was sung, I would say, that it's probably a hymn of the church where Luke lived. And if you assume that Luke lived in the Christian community where Mary had evacuated to, then it would be a song that, you know, maybe originated back with Mary in the Song of Hannah, which was then uh, expounded upon by later Christians as they amplified it. And then Luke, knowing the song, knows this is a great place to put it.
3: What about the influence of God himself through his Holy Spirit? You mean an inspiration? In, yes, in writing these and putting these things all, all down as well.
0: Um, yeah, you, you could do that. I mean, you could make that argument that that's what's going on, but it would then make Luke into a liar. He himself, or, or God, if God is telling him to write this. Because he says, I have researched this. This is as best as it seems to me. I've read other sources. I've talked to eyewitnesses and people who were there. If God then says, okay, now write this as yeah. is and, and gives him dictation, then is, which is true? Is it what Luke says at the beginning or that? You understand my point? Uh, I do.
3: I, I guess I wasn't implying that it was a, a dictation by... The um, inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Maybe that concept of plenary you know, inspiration. Yeah, maybe that's what it, people assume that you mean when they say that. I wasn't. I wasn't meaning that. I. I guess I was just thinking that in terms of when you put all this together, and even Luke. I mean, being guided in. in
0: mm-hmm.
3: In the, just the development okay. of all this okay.
0: stuff. You're talking about more of a general inspiration that God guided him in, in the research process, right. in the a, interview in the process, process. The Bible
3: is completely inspired by, by God people who, who may not be of that same. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying when we're studying these, we haven't really talked about...
0: What, the nature of inspiration? Yeah. Uh, I... This came up in the first session as well, in the 1030 session, is the issue of, of the nature of inspiration. And I think what I'm going to do is start next session before we do the birth narrative with a little sidebar on inspiration and what what kinds of – what do we mean when we talk about scriptural inspiration, uh, the kinds of inspiration that most people think about, what kinds of inspiration can be identified within scripture itself, that kind of thing. Um, in this case, what we have is the inspiration of the people who went before Luke in crafting this beautiful hymn, the inspiration of Mary in singing the song of Hannah, and then fleshing the whole thing out, and it getting in here. More like
3: a guide of you know, Luke is experiencing these Doing all of his research, sure. and he's pulling the things
0: that God feels is important to him. Right, uh, concepts of that—that that is definitely—that is definitely within the boundaries of what we see in this kind of literature. And it's interesting when you—if you—you know—that the Holy Spirit would inspire someone to draw from multiple sources, but that actually is not a surprise. I mean, I can think about. Beautiful, inspiring hymns and draw from them when I'm in need. And that is a form of inspiration. Especially when I'm in pastoral care with someone who's mourning the death of a loved one. I don't go in there having done, like, well, yeah, I've done it. But I mean, I don't go in there having done a ton of research on all of these things that I can use to, to comfort them. I go in and then it just suddenly, it just comes to me that I need to say this. Or I need to be quiet and listen and then maybe offer this suggestion, this prayer, this hymn to comfort, this song to comfort. I don't think about it at a time. He just sort of comes. And it comes usually in piecemeal, kind of like this does. So it shouldn't be a surprise that the Holy Spirit inspires with multiple sources. <laughs> he probably inspired them too you well, mm-hmm. well you would yeah, say that up. each one of these sources was inspired Exactly, the you person who pieced it together was inspired well, inspiration. and inspiration has multiple levels and I don't want to anticipate what I'll do next time but I've done a, I've done sidebars on inspiration before and it's I think an appropriate place to actually bring that up and, and talk about that because there are multiple levels of inspiration that are in, in you know, to be found in scripture and in these, these very stories themselves let's finish this account so that we can pick it up next time and Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home so she goes home after being pregnant for three months or about three months and it's just about three months because she's not present when the baby is born when John the Baptist is born let's get that in now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son Her neighbors and relatives heard that that the Lord had shown his great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. But his mother said, No, he is to be called John. Now, to whom was it said that this baby would be called John? Zechariah. Zachariah can't talk. See that thing Linda said
3: again. He could write,
0: but he could write. Thank you, because that's what's going to happen here. No, he is to be called John. Apparently, he's told her that she's going to be. They're going to name the kid John. They said to her, "None of your relatives has this name." Then they began motioning to his father to find out what name he wanted to give him. He asked for a writing tablet and wrote, "His name is John." And all of them were amazed. And his
1: mouth was opened immediately.
0: (laughs) Immediately his his mouth mouth was opened. After having finally done something right.
1: (laughs) Well he he
0: did what he was supposed to do. To conceive John to begin with. So that was the first right thing he did. And then when he followed through to the end. Of what he was told to do. Which was name the kid John. His tongue was freed. And he began to speak praising God. Fear came among all the neighbors. And all these and all these things were talked about throughout the entire hill country of Judea. All who heard them pondered them and said, What then shall this child become? For indeed the hand of the Lord was with him. Then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit. Aha. Yeah, there's a lot of this going on, isn't it? And And spoke this prophecy. And now we have the prophecy here. Of Zechariah, and if you go to the to the, the chapter six one that I handed out, the circumcision and manifestation of John, I'm going to read it from there. Then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the, spoke in prophecy. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. Multiple citations for that one. For he has taken note of his people and brought them redemption. And has raised up for us a horn of salvation in the house of his servant David. As he promised through the mouth of his holy prophets of old to save us from our enemies. You notice the citations here come from the Psalms. First Samuel chapter 2 verse 10. Yeah. I guess he was listening during the hymn. Uh, (laughs) Like the same spirit. Yeah. Well, same spirit at work too. (laughs) Both things, I would say. To save us from our enemies. Hmm. And from the hands of all who hate us. To show mercy to our fathers. Mindful of his holy covenant. And of the oath he swore to our father Abraham. To grant us to be rescued from the hands of our enemies. That we might worship in his presence without fear in holiness and uprightness as long as we live. Now, now that is sort of the preamble to the blessing. Okay? Now we get the blessing for the kid. Now, this is the part that's why this is all known in most hymn circles as the Benedictus. Now you, my child, will be hailed as the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his way to offer his people a knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Similar to Isn't that interesting? Hmm. That's interesting. That echoes what? Well,
2: Jesus and Isaiah again.
0: Uh-huh. It echoes the statement uh, from Matthew from the Annunciation unto Joseph to offer his people a knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. But this is what John is supposed to do, not Jesus. He is to show the way, to prepare his way, to go before the Lord to prepare his way, to offer his people a knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. In the merciful compassion of our God, the dawn from on high will take note of us and shine on those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Dynamic citations from multiple Old Testament, but Greek translated Old Testament passages knitted together to create this beautiful benedictus.
2: And this was basically the first thing out of his mouth. First I thing speak. out
0: of his mouth. Mm-hmm. He's so filled with the God. Holy Spirit and he speaks. Essentially, a great big string of scriptures. Yeah, he would have gotten rid of this crap. Maybe a whole study just to, analyze. to analyze just mm-hmm. this song to go back mm-hmm. and look at each one of these scriptures yeah. would take a very long time to see how it was weaved together this is another song which was again Luke didn't write it it came to Luke it doesn't follow Luke's method for quoting scripture it comes to Luke from a pre-existing tradition and was used, probably used in the church but its focus is on John the Baptist and on his preparing the way for Jesus. Hmm. Let's go ahead and finish.
3: It's clear the role
0: The role of John the Baptist is to make way, make the way of the Lord, make the way for Jesus. The child grew and became strong in the spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day he appeared publicly to Israel. It wasn't long after that that he got his head chopped (laughs) off. Okay. Any questions? Next week. We'll start with a sidebar on inspiration. That won't take too long, I hope. <laughs> oh, no questions, huh?
2: No, Maybe no, I ought to say no
0: <laughs> Maybe that would be helpful. Uh, no, I can't function that way. I never have been able to. Um, and then we'll do parallel, and by that means we'll read the story from one gospel, and then we'll read the story from the other gospel. We'll read the two stories. Side by side essentially. And the first thing I will ask is don't try to integrate them. Read them separately. Identify their differences, identify their similarities, but read them separately. Then if you want to think about how we might how it could be harmonized to put them together, you're free to do that. We might end up doing that, who knows? We'll see what happens. But initially I want to read them in parallel. To see their similarities and their differences. And keep in mind that the iconography that we have today of the birth of Jesus, with the manger scene and the wise guys and the shepherds and the angels, all that stuff is the result of harmonizing the two stories. That's the result of harmonizing the two accounts. Just, you know, I had, it was an interesting conversation with the previous group. How many wise guys were there? Mm-hmm.
1: Wise
3: guys.
0: Most people say three. Three wise men, three kings. No, that's in the song, We Three Kings of Orient Are. What's a matter? The only reason why there I usually identify three of them is because there are three gifts: gold, Frankenstein, and myrrh. And those three gifts then get identified to one for each Magi or each king. Uh, that's you know that that that's you know the little iconography that we have. We end up reading it in. It is it, I have I've seen it done. People read into the passage that there are three of them. There are three gifts, but not necessarily three guys.
1: Be one back in the could be one. Well, That's it's more than
0: one because it's plural. Could have been but it could have been two. It could have that. been twenty. It could, it been 20. could, have, been it could 20. have been five or six. We don't know how many, but there are three gifts. Couple? Does it really matter? Though? It does not matter. It does not matter. Three, three yeah, here. you gotta have. That'd really screw it up. Well, yeah, you can't do a you can't do a Christmas story, play, story play in the sanctuary <laughs> without three guys dressed up in bathrobes with with crowns that are spray painted from from Burger King. I mean, <laughs> so it matters to the people
3: shepherd, us as humans, it it not so necessarily shepherds.
0: to God. The iconography matters to us. It doesn't matter even to the telling of the story. And to the extent that it ends up corrupting what the story tells us, it hurts. It's where the tradition of men and women get in the way of communicating the account. I love the iconography, the the, the beautiful imagery. But I always cringe a little bit when I see shepherds and angels... (laughs) at the manger scene and the wise guys come up. Because those are two completely different stories that have been put together.
3: Well, and what you said about corrupting as well. I the traditions, it, it, I guess that's what bothers me sometimes when we celebrate some of these events and we fail to make it clear what God's plan really was and when those really happened because there's such significance when you do the, the math and the research to show the faithfulness and the truthfulness of God that you lose when you distort it or you put it in a time period that it, and, and, and claim it to be true the, as claiming to, it to be true as opposed to tradition
0: hitting, hitting the balance between being truthful and being iconoclastic is important there's no reason to be iconoclastic in the extreme. Because that, that ends up destroying it for everybody, including you end up throwing out the baby with the bath water. In this case, it's the baby Jesus. Yeah. And you don't want to throw out the baby Jesus with with the trough water. You, you 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 don't want to do that, and that's unfortunately what often ends up happening when you when when you have Christian communities that refuse to celebrate Christmas at all. And then what you end up happening? Well, they don't get to have parties. They get, get really, really You can't have birthdays. They don't. They don't have any of the events in the life of Jesus commemorated in any way, shape, or form. And it falls out of their cultural tradition. And then by the third and fourth generation, guess what? You got a bunch of un, un unchristianized people running around. <laughs> Who witnesses. don't know the stories,
1: huh?
0: They're just witnessing. <laughs> I was thinking you had Jews. <laughs> no, you get either. <laughs> you, get <laughs> you get either. <laughs> you get Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you meant. You would I thought. Know. Yeah. Have been listening to a Bible study by Dr. Gregory Neal, Senior Pastor of St. Stephen United Methodist Church and Rector of Grace Incarnate Ministries. Copyright 2009 by Dr. Gregory S. Neal. All rights reserved. For more information or to listen to other seminars, Bible studies, or sermons by Dr. Gregory Neal, visit us on the web at www.revneal.org. That's www.revneal.org.
3: You are also invited to visit us in person at St. Stephen United
0: Methodist Church, 2520 Oates Drive, Mesquite, Texas, 75150. This program was produced by Dr. Greg Neal.